experiencing God. Last week we talked about our reliance on God in true faith. We contrasted this with the notion of blind faith, which is hope based on nothing. And we contrasted Christian faith with the notion of optimism and ignorance. And we agreed that the biblical definition of faith is the one that should govern our lives. And we found that definition in Hebrews 11, which reads, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. And appropriately, that message was titled, Close Your Eyes and See. And God's word found in Psalm 34, 8, you may be familiar with this, Taste and See. And both of these were not little. Rather, they revealed that God doesn't want you to just rely on your human senses. God is telling you to rely wholly and in faith on him and to both sense and experience his holiness. So this week, we're going to take just a quick look at what it means to experience God. As always, I want to remind you that this is supposed to be a teaching moment, but more importantly, a thought-provoking one, a conversation starter. Beyond that, it really should be an action-provoking one as well. The Sunday morning message should just be an appetizer that serves to make you hunger for more. The Sunday morning Bible discussion is one way you can learn uh, in an engaging way. This morning we talked about several biblical examples of people who acted in faith and trusted God. And, and the Wednesday night study, uh, online study, is, goes a little deeper. And we're... Uh, we're getting into God's word and learning how to apply it to our daily lives. And we're currently working through a Bible study based on the book, Becoming a Contagious Christian. And even though we're partway into it, it's never too late to join. So feel free first and third Sundays and every Wednesday night. Uh, first and third Sundays are here at 830 and Wednesday night is 7 online. And if you don't have the information anymore, let me know. I'd be happy to, to send it to you. But we have great conversations, and it's great for us. And I think we, we kind of all agree that it's kind of a midweek recharge to touch base just a little bit and then just, you know, keep in the word halfway through the week. And, of course, we should all be doing our own reading and study of God's word. And just like with prayer, we are called to come together as a congregation of Christians. The, the, the Bible calls this the body of Christ. And we're to, to pray and worship and learn and to give. And, and Scripture is equally clear that it is in addition to and not instead of the time we spend in, in between Sundays doing these things as individuals and with our families. So this morning's message, again, is simply titled Experiencing God. The, the background screen isn't nearly as fancy or creative as, or even dramatic as, as what you may have come to expect from me. And that's by design because when and how you experience God likely won't be how or when you expect it. Thanks to the magic of Hollywood, we have some examples. If you would, please. Click it. See if I recognize this guy. Gary. That's right. Is that you? In person. You're not on the radio? Have you got a radio out here? No. Bingo. You're here? In my bathroom? Come take a look. I can't. I'm naked. You think I don't know what you've got? That was another little goof of mine. Shame. I don't know why I thought we needed change. Come on out.
Don't get cold. I take the look you could understand. For someone else, I would look different. I could do any face, voice, whatever. I could, I could even be a woman. You feel a little strange, eh? Very strange. You remember that from I don't 1970 something? Oh God, with uh, John Denver and what do you think? It, if that were to happen to me and God appeared with this cheesy grin and big ears and wearing a pair of Keds, uh, I'd laugh at him as much as probably he's been laughing at me. But maybe we think of it more like the way he appeared to Moses. And, and, and uh, go ahead and click the next one if you would. So that verse, and that obviously is from Ten Commandments, um, that's pretty dramatic. And, and that's actually part of the real story from Exodus 3, 1 through 6. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of God appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, or a light bulb as it was done in that 56. Moses saw that through the bush was, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the, within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. We heard that. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And this Moses, at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, that's pretty dramatic. And many of us think that anything short of, of miraculous or awe-inspiring interest couldn't be our God. You know, this, God would come and, and all this, the trumpets would sound and we'd hear all this stuff. And that's how God would talk to us. But perhaps we think of it more along a more personal, even comical approach. And, and I have a couple clips. We'll skip them. But had a couple clips from Evan Almighty. Remember that? And also uh, Bruce Almighty. You know, it was Morgan Freeman. And it was always, you know, just this interaction between the, the character Steve Carell and, and um, Jim Carrey. And, and Morgan Freeman was just this normal, everyday guy, kind of a loose personality. And, 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 and these are just dramatizations to entertain us, right? These movies. But the truth is that God can, can and he does interact with you however, whenever, wherever, and, and even through whoever he wants. It's one of his perks of being omnipotent. You know, kind of like George Burns said, I can, I can appear this way to you, but I can appear something different to someone else. And often, most often, he, he doesn't physically appear to us. We just experience him as we encounter him through situations and the things we see and experience and, and even the words of others. But as such, because he can do so many things in so many ways, we shouldn't close our eyes to the possibilities and opportunities to experience him. Mark said this very well Wednesday night. We shouldn't box him in. Even the great prophet Elijah had a set of expectations for experiencing God. To set the stage for this, for this verse, Elijah was being pursued under threat of death. 
we join the story found in 1 Kings 19, and we find him hiding in a cave after he's been on the run for 40 days and 40 nights. He was being pursued by it. It says, after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hiding out in a cave. And this is where the verse starts. It says, and the word of the Lord came to him. Where, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now imagine the excitement and anticipation that Elijah must have felt. Here comes the Lord. I'm going to stand on the mountain and experience God. You know, and maybe he was thinking about this Moses thing. Maybe he was, maybe he had something else in mind, you know, but God's coming. He told me he's coming. I'm going to stand here. So let's rejoin the scripture. It says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Becky read this. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Right? Any of the one of those, we would have thought, here comes God. Here comes God. Here comes fire. Here comes a wind. Here comes an earthquake. But God was not in those. Now, this is where it gets really cool. It says, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. You know, for Elijah, it wasn't the torrents of power and fanfare that he may have expected. It was a whisper. And think about this. Your Savior entered the world in similar fashion, the quiet cry of a newborn baby. The world did not know to expect him the first time. The world will not know when to expect him the second time. Matthew 26, or 24, 36, 44 tells us, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. And skipping ahead to the end of that, it says, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. We may not know when this will happen, but there will be no mistaking when it does. From 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it describes it this way. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of archangel, with a trumpet call of God. Now that's an entrance. Okay, That is the only time that we know how to expect the presence of God. But when you experience God personally, it could be a shout, could be a whisper, could be the sound of a person you know or, or maybe one you don't know telling you something that you need to hear. It could be the perfect silence of a beautiful moment in nature. It could be an overwhelming and unexplainable sense of calm and peace. And it could be that calm assurance that you receive during a prayer. That is experiencing God. It may not be someone appearing in the flesh. It may not be a burning bush, but will be an undeniable each time that it happens. I hope you caught that each time because there's some things you you should be most concerned about. And these are, first, it's not on a once in a lifetime, if ever at all moment. Okay, this is a promise of God. Remember that God wants a relationship with you and he wants to bless you. And this is the best part. He wants an eternity with you in heaven. Now, how cool is that? But will you recognize this experience? Don't box God in by ignoring anything but what you expect. Will you be ready? Scripture says, be ready. There will be a purpose, and that is to affirm your relationship with him, to provide you assurance of his promises to you, to encourage you, to convict you of an area of your life that needs improvement. And I'll be honest, I had to catch myself when I was kind of going through this this morning. I had started making this list of all these wonderful things that will happen when God 
and you interact when there's this experience. But I'm making the mistake of boxing God in. I'm saying these are the things he's going to do. And maybe he won't do those things. Maybe he'll do something completely different. Only God knows his intent. So prayerfully ask him to reveal it to you, whatever it may be. God, I, I, I sent your presence. What is it that I need to get from this? We may not only be able to anticipate God, what God has in store for us, but we, we know from Scripture that there are some things that we can count on. Right? When you experience God, it will reveal the unpolished parts of you. Now, two weeks ago, we had a message titled Reflected in Truth, where we kind of learn how to look at ourselves through God's eyes. And that's both a positive and a, it won't, I won't say a negative, but a little bit of a critique. Because God loves you. And sometimes it's hard to look at ourselves with the love and forgiveness that he has for us. Right? We are our toughest critic. So when we look in the mirror, we need to see ourselves as God sees us. The other thing is we need to look at ourselves the way God sees us, which means all that ugly stuff too. So if you need a refresher, I encourage you to listen to that message. Reflected in truth is what it was caused, called, and it was a positive message. Now the psalmist writes in 139, 23, 24, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense way in me, offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Ask God, reveal in me. Let me see those unpolished parts so that I can improve and be more like you. And from Malachi 3, 2 through 3, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. That's how you get pure gold, is you have to burn off the impurities. And that comes at a very high temperature. God is like a refining fire. He's going to burn off that stuff that's on the fray that doesn't belong there. And that doesn't always feel good. When you experience God, it'll show you what is important. And we have several examples from Numbers 23, 19 is this reminder. God is not human that he should lie, okay? So, so it's important that we don't lie. God is not human that he should change his mind, okay? We're entitled to change our mind, but there are certain things we need to focus and not waver on. It says, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Do you hear some of the things that are revealed about what is important? In Psalm 56, and the heaven proclaims his righteousness for he is a God of justice. God is revealing to us righteousness and justice. 2 Peter 3, 9, we, we know this one. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Sometimes when we experience God and we're getting that no or the not now, he's being patient. He's waiting for the perfect time, which may come soon or not so soon. And these are just a few examples of how God demonstrates the character that he has designed for you to have. He has built you with a desire to have these same characteristics. But when you experience God, one thing sure, it will demand a response. From Psalm 62, 7 through 8, it says, My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And ends with the word Selah, S-E-L-A-H, Selah. And this response is, uh, your response to this is that to trust in him. 
an interesting side note about the word Selah. It appears in, in Psalm 71 times in another book a little later, about three more times. And it's always used at the end of a, of a statement and usually music or poetry. And it's generally believed it's a musical instruction to pause. You know, this is the, an interlude or a pause in, in, in the music. But many biblical scholars translate, translate this as something a little more metaphorical. And I love this. And it's pause and reflect. Oh, people, pour out your hearts to God for God is a refuge. Think about that. Isaiah 61, one through three. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting the Lord for the display of his splendor. Isaiah's response to experiencing God was to minister to others. Are you sure that isn't your calling as well? Maybe not from the pulpit, but, but through one of the talents and abilities that God has given you, that he has created with you with, have you, do you, have you been called to serve? We talked about that a little bit ago. There's so many little quiet ways to serve the Lord and others. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God who has called you into fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. So your response is the acceptance of the relationship. And you remember this, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your response is your acceptance of the gift. And when you experience God, you can't help but change, be changed. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Ignorance is not an option. You know what it is to be called to be a Christian. You were changed by that knowledge. And the Apostle Paul reveals, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. By definition, whether you're just in a relationship with Christ or you have fully immersed yourself literally in baptism, you are a new person. That is scriptural. People say you can't change someone. Old habits are hard to break. Once a blank, always a blank. Whatever, you know, fill in that blank. And that's absolutely not true. People can change. People do change. Is anyone here the same person they were before they knew the Lord? Is anyone here the same person they were when they were younger? Right? Anyone have those pairs of years that, that don't reflect who they are today? I and mean, maybe you're amazed that you, you, you have a, high, a reunion or, or see someone on Facebook, you're like, really, that person does this, I never would have guessed. Or they, maybe they said that about you. Even if you continue to be flawed and struggle with the same sins of your past, and we do, the fact that you have accepted the gift of Christ's sacrifice means that, that at least one thing has changed about you, and that's that you have a hope. The very minimum, you have a hope in a future. And if you're struggling to realize that, I want to hear from you. I can help you find the words from the Lord that'll help you understand that a little better. And when you experience God, you are changed. But how you were changed depends on how you respond to that experience. Will it soften your heart towards others? Will it soften your heart towards yourself? 
John 4, 7 through 9. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Whoever, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son in the world the way we might live through him. When you look at yourself and others through that, you can't help but soften your heart. You have trouble forgiving someone? Even before you say the words, I forgive you, pray for them. Step one. Step one. Maybe it'll harden your heart towards others. Okay? This is not something that God wants you to do, but there are periods and places in the Bible where God hardens hearts. Jeremiah 18, 12 says, but they will say it's hopeless for we're going to follow our own plans and each of us will act according to the stubbornness of an evil heart. We're a group of, of, of followers of, of the God that said, this is hopeless, we give up, we're gonna do our own thing. It's hardening of the heart. And back to the story of Moses from Exodus 4.21. You know, Moses was told to go to Egypt and, and perform these wonders before the Pharaoh and tell him to let people go. And it says, God hardened his heart. And it continues in chapter seven. It says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my sins and my wonders in the land of Egypt. If you don't love God, despite his love for you, it will harden your heart. And if you can't love God, how can you love yourself? And if you can't love God and can't you love yourself, how are you gonna love anybody else? Your heart becomes hard. And there's several other, several other examples of the Bible. Daniel 5.20, when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved, arrogant, behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. God opposes the proud. Pride is a sin because the pride that most people feel is a sense of righteousness and you cannot be made self-righteous. That's the bad news. The good news is you can be made righteous and you are made righteous by the gift of the cross. Fortunately, we have a God-ordained defense against the hardened heart, okay? And you're already a part of it. It's called the church. Hebrews has a lot of words of encouragement for congregations and particularly in 3, 12 through 13 says, see to it, brothers and sisters. So this is, this is Paul talking to you. See to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Responsibility is yours. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Does that cover everything? Yeah. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. He knows. He knows you're gonna struggle and he knows the person next to you is gonna struggle. So do your best to protect your non-sending, believing heart and keep it focused on God. But when you struggle or you see someone else struggling, what are you supposed to do? Encourage them daily, daily. And we were reminded a moment ago that, ex that the experience in God will change you and it will also serve to grow and mature your faith. Right? And those who know your name, the psalmist writes, put their trust in you for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. All right, it's not only so, but we are also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. There's a growth step. You're developing perseverance. And perseverance develops character. Well, we know we're all after God's character. And character produces hope. We know what hope means. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us experiencing God and taking that step and trusting in him and responding by choosing him, it grows your faith. 
Now, again, I don't want to limit God's options here. I just wanted to offer some, one more uh, result of this absolutely not all-inclusive list. And, and that is experiencing God reminds you of the hope you have. John three sixteen through 17, and we know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now that's hope, right? And it goes on in verse 17. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. How is that for a real hope? See what love, great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And because we are children, we have obtained an inheritance as is described in Ephesians. We've been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. You are in good hands. Friends, here's the really good news of this morning's message. God wants a relationship with you. You are already his adopted child, but he doesn't want that in name only. He doesn't want it just because that's the promise and that's what his word says. He wants you to know him as well as he knows you. He wants you to desire him as much as he desires you. This is the difference between Christianity and a lot of other faiths is we don't have to pursue God. We don't have to pursue, you know, the, the tasks and the checklists and all that stuff because God is busy pursuing us. It's just a matter of turning to him. What's really cool is he is more excited about the possibility of an eternity in heaven with you are than you probably are about him more than you can imagine and God is going to do his part and you can rely on this to have that relationship with you he will continue to offer opportunities for you to get to know him now some may be as obvious as your time spent in church and it may come in a rushing wind a burning bush I don't know God can do whatever he wants but for most of us it'll be less obvious like the multiple encounters and experiences that we have with him so so how will you respond to these experiences, these interactions? How will you be changed? This is exciting stuff. How will you change the world as a result? Let's say a risky prayer here. Father God, we want you to reveal yourself to us. We need you to engage us so that we can experience you and your love and your blessing and your conviction, and your polishing and refining. Lord, we need to grow in our faith so that we can learn to wholly trust in you in all situations and circumstances. Lord, for those who are in a period of abundance where things are just going magnificently, we celebrate. We thank you for these mountaintop moments. God, for those of us who are in a time of uncertainty or, or maybe we're going through a struggle of some kind, Lord, we need to experience here in these valleys as well. And as our responsive reading, as we did the, the 23rd Psalm, we understand and we remember that you are with us when we lie down, when we stand up, when we're on the mountaintops and when we're in these valleys. God, we thank you for the multiple experiences that you have intended for us. So our risky prayer is that we'd recognize and not miss a single one. Help us to recognize and respond to them and to be changed for having done so. Lord, as always, I just want to conclude this prayer with a word of thanks for this church, this congregation, and even the scripture today that reminds us why we exist. It's not for your good, God. You exist whether the church is here or not. It's for our good.
It is for the love, encouragement, and support that we find from our friends as we go through life and just do life together. Lord, I pray for everyone who's here this morning, those traveling and who are away or ill, those who are playing it safe during this pandemic, and Lord, those who are listening online. My prayer is many blessings this week that you continue to keep us safe and happy and healthy. May you continue to guide us in this church and all we do. Amen.